There is no growth in comfort and no comfort in growth. Business today typically values and promotes leaders for their subject expertise. Leaders who have command of the details and execute based on knowledge and experience are highly respected. However, to grow as a leader, you have to get out of your comfort zone. That means learning to lead without just being the expert. Learn to gain the trust and respect of a team that might know more than you do. Get comfortable with ambiguity and with not having all the information. Develop the skills and confidence to lead in a different way. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm Wanda Wallace. So let's say that you've been successful enough to actually get that role you were looking for out of the comfort zone. And there's a lot to do and there's a lot you need to learn. And of course, you're working really, really hard to prove yourself. You know that you need to take time to create a vision for your team, but there just isn't any time to think about it. Um, there's, and you would say that there's no time to stop and write a vision statement and have a day or two clear so that you could actually think. You also know that people want to know where they're going and what's important to you. So in that sense, a vision statement is helpful to everyone. However, we find that most vision statements are uninspiring. To me, personally, most vision statements that I see look like any group anywhere in any of your competitors. And in that sense, there's no inspiration and there's no engagement. And worse, it breeds some skepticism. So what we're going to talk about today is how do you actually create a vision that gives a sense of direction, that unites the team, that builds collaboration, and inspires people to truly deliver. And my guest today has the answer. So my guest is Jessie Lynn Stoner. She's the founder of the Seapoint Center for Collaborative Leadership. She's the co-author with Ken Blanchard of an international bestseller, Full Steam Ahead, Unleash the Power of Vision. It's been translated into 22 languages. Jesse spent the last 25 years working with hundreds of leaders using collaborative processes to engage the entire workforce in creating their future. She's worked with clients from Fortune 500s to nonprofits worldwide, including clients like Honda, Marriott, Scansa, SAP, YPO, just to name a few. She's named as Inc. Magazine's Top 50 Leadership Expert, American Management Association's Leader to Watch, and the recipient of a number of awards. She's been featured in Harvard Business Review, Huffington Post, and Forbes, among others. You can follow her on Twitter at Jessie, L-Y-N, Stoner, S-T-O-N-E-R. Jessie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Wanda. Delighted to be here. I'm looking forward to this one. I can't tell you how many people I talk to who say, I know I need a vision, I know I need a vision, I know I need a vision, and eight months later, just don't have the time to create it. So in your view, what's wrong with most of the vision statements, and why are they very inspiring? Well, I, I think you summed it up pretty well in your introduction. Um, you could just substitute the name of any company in the line, and it, they all say exactly the same thing. They're, they're either kind of godmother and apple pie, or there's something that's going to put you to sleep. I mean, you know, you start to read it, and it's like it's so boring, you, you can't stand it. Um, I, I, it's amazing to me. And, and I think, you know, the problem is that um, they think they're supposed to create a vision statement instead of a vision. And, and I think... Right there, they get themselves into trouble. Um, often they hand it off to a marketing company and you end up with, with a great slogan, um, but uh, people don't understand what it means. They don't care about it. They don't feel a sense of ownership at all. Uh, and, uh, and like you said, it, it makes people skeptical. It certainly 
makes me skeptical. I understand that. Well, what I see in an awful lot of leaders is I take what it is that I have to deliver, of course, with the team, yes, definitely, and that becomes my vision, you know, so I'm accountable for delivering 10% increase in profit. Okay, right. that's our vision, to increase 10% profit. And I right. think everyone sitting around that says, okay, fine, that's what you need to do, but how does that relate to me? Good luck, boss. Right. See you later. Right. Okay. And, and, and also, you know, the, the thing is, if you really want to inspire people and you really want to motivate them, if your vision's about increasing profit, it, it hardly even inspires you. That's the, you know, that may be a goal, but I mean, you know, just getting back to, you know, what is it? Why are you there? What is it that excites you? What is it that makes you want to come to work? If it's to increase profitability by 10% and grow the company, um, that's, you know, that, that's hardly a, a motivating vision. So, you know, what we did was, you know, we'd started doing this research about, oh gosh, close to 30 years ago now, um, looking at, well, what is it about vision that actually makes it work? And, and we started looking at um, the uh, techniques of visualization and, and mental imagery and what people have learned through sports psychology around visioning that actually makes this process work. And, um, you know, and then a lot of people love to come up with the example of the Apollo Moon Project, which was, you know, a long time ago, and it still is a spectacular example, place a man on the moon by 1969. And so that's something you can actually close your eyes and see. You could see uh, it's got a date, it's got somebody on the moon, it's something that you can see in your mind. And there's where the visualization piece comes in. Um, most of these vision statements that you read, you close your eyes and all you see are a bunch of words swimming in front of you. Um, so it's an important element to actually be able to see what what does it look like when you've increased 10%. I mean, what, what exactly is it that you're building and growing towards and, and what's it going to look like? So that, that's one of the three key elements is a, a clear picture of the end result. Okay. So can you take something like a 10% increase in profit and turn it into a vision statement that actually has a vision and an imagery and a... Something that's inspiring. I mean, is that yes, possible? Yes, absolutely. And and what I would say is work backwards. Set okay. aside ten percent increase because maybe you really want twenty percent. I mean, that's just a number you've picked up. That's a strategy. That's a growth strategy. But it's a strategy that's going to get you towards what your vision is. So I say, okay, let's set your strategy aside, and we'll come back to it and see how it fits. And let's start with let's go out ten years. What do you what do you see? What what is this organization looking like? Um, what what is it that you've achieved? Where what are what's happening in the organization? And and sizes and profitability are certainly a huge piece of it. But product services, what you know, what's happening in the world? How's it responding? And uh, what's the what's the end result looking like? So I'm, I'm going to what we say in our book, Full Steam Ahead, that a vision is knowing who you are, where you're going, and what will guide your journey. And when you've got all three of those elements in place, then you can begin to set your strategies that will help you get there. And what's your growth strategy? And then what? And then breaking that down, what's that going to look like as we move towards it? Okay. Um, 
Steve, let's take another example. Steve Jobs, okay. a, a computer on every desk, okay? Uh, or if, if you want to go with Bill Gates, uh, Microsoft's <laughs> computer on every desk. Um, but you see, when these were first articulated, mainframes were huge. They took up a, an entire building, and computers were only owned by wealthy people. The idea of making a computer affordable and accessible uh, and integrated into our everyday lives, that there's a huge amount of meaning embedded in that that then guides the strategies and also what growth, where you're going to grow, how you're going to grow, and what it's going to look like. Okay, so a good vision, so I'm getting a sense now from your research that a good vision statement is really giving me a vision, an imagery of the future, of a future end result of what it's going to be like. And you just quoted Steve Jobs, a computer on every desk, or the Apollo mission, a man on the moon by 1969. And it has got to be, that's got to be a part of the vision, a very clear picture of the end result. Okay, all right, and who are we, where are we going, and what's going to guide our journey? Well, you see, and that's the thing, that if you only look at it as a picture of the end result, then what's going to, what is it that's going to guide your decision-making going forward? So, you know, let's go back to the example of the Apollo Moon Project. Um, when Kennedy articulated that, um, that sounded like an insurmountable goal. It, we, we, the United States had not invented the technology yet to achieve it. Uh, it was it was absolutely inspiring, and it uh, caused people to unify and work together and overcome what seemed like insurmountable obstacles. And it happened. It, it rallied them, and they uh, achieved that goal. It was 1969. It was a man on the moon, and they brought him home safely again. That was a part of the of this statement. Um, but but that's 1969. Now, what happens in 1970? What happens in 1980? What happens in 1990? There was nothing to guide the decision-making going forward because they didn't know who they were. Why? Why did they exist? What was their purpose for doing this? And a lot of people thought, well, it was to win the space race. And um, other people thought it was, uh, at the time, the United States was in, uh, heavily invested in the Cold War with, um, with the USSR, and they, they thought it was to um, uh, get these satellites into space. It was called the uh, Space Defense Initiative. Um, and, and some people just loved it because it was the spirit of Star Trek to boldly go where no one has gone before. And... Because there was no unifying sense of purpose of why it was happening, there was nothing to guide the decision-making after 1969. So image by itself is is quite powerful, but without that knowing who you are with the purpose behind it, you, it's only going to take you to 10% in the next 10 years what happens after 10 years. Or okay. if your vision's about winning the race, beating the competition, okay, great, what happens? Now you're number one. Where do you go from here? So that's where understanding the why, the purpose, um, uh, becomes so important. Okay. All right, so we've talked about Apollo putting a space project, putting a man on the moon, and you talked about Steve Jobs. Can you give me a couple of other corporate examples where the vision statement is, in, is inspiring? 
Um, I, you know, I was just going to have to pull it up because I'm not looking at it right this minute, but um, I guess it was last week or maybe the week before, Patagonia, the company Patagonia took a strong stand um, in the environmental arena in the United States because um, our uh, president here had signed a proclamation to uh, dramatically reduce two of our national parks, one by 96% and another by 46%. And this is a a company that um, produces um, outdoor um, uh, clothing, mostly. It's a retailer uh, and some equipment. And their um, their mission is to uh, their vision is to um, and, and I'm going to say this in my own words because I'm not looking at it right now is to produce the best products in a way that um, is in concert with the environment supports the environment and sustainability. So um, they they are known for very high quality outdoor. Uh, equipment and products, uh, and uh, they do a lot of um, social re- social responsible investing in um, uh, you know charities and things like that right. that support the environment. Um, but this time they they came out with a political statement that was they dedicated their entire homepage, um, blacked out anything that had to do with retail sales, saying. You, you know, it was pretty shocking, actually. They blackened out their entire homepage and said, the, the president is stealing your land. It really would caught everybody's attention, that's for sure. And, and I was fascinated by that. Um, regardless of whether you believe that this was the right or wrong thing for uh, the government of the United States to do to reclaim this land, and there could be arguments, and I'm not going to take a stand around that. They took a stand. And the fact that they took a stand was because it was aligned with their vision of who they are. And it um, they had to make an assessment, you know, that this is not going to impact their bottom line uh, immediately, for sure. And it was not even necessarily a business decision, but it was a decision that uh, was aligned with their vision of who they are and how they are going to be a company in this world. And their sales went just skyrocketed, and their customer loyalty, we can imagine what happened to that. Um, You know, so that to me is an example of a a company that is very clear about their vision and who they are. Another one would be um, Southwest Airlines. Um, You know, they've been doing this for, you know, a while now, Um, getting people to their destination uh, in a way that's um, affordable and uh, um, without, you know, with the least amount of um, uh, conflict, which traveling these days is not a whole lot of fun. You get on a Southwest Airlines flight and you're going to laugh at some point because one of the attendants is going to say something over the loudspeaker that is just a hoot. You can count on it. Right. So, and with fun, and this is what they're going to do. Now, you've been using some words here around purpose. Um, and we did the radio show a few weeks ago around purpose. One of the examples was IKEA as having a strong sense of purpose. And their purpose mm-hmm. is about putting 
um, improving the lives of everyday people. Yeah. So in your version of vision, is purpose just a piece of it or, or do yes. they sort of start to look the same? Yeah, I, 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 purpose, and, and some people say, well, what's the difference between purpose and mission? And, and I say they're actually probably the same thing, but, you know, we get into arguing about words and people yeah. get, uh, you know, confused because we have so many different definitions of all these words. But if we want to say, why do you exist, which is your purpose, I'm back to the vision of, of the um, picture of the end result. If you don't marry that with a clear sense of purpose so that the purpose is embedded in a, cu- a computer on every desk, even though it's, it's a one line, we, we understand exactly what's in that. Um, Ford, uh, f- uh, Ford Motor Company in the 1980s when uh, the Japanese cars came in and just tanked their business came up with... Um, uh, um, Quality is job one. And, you know, those of us who um, buy cars thought they're saying, oh, quality is important. But actually, in the automotive industry, job one is the first car that comes off the assembly line. So it has to be absolutely perfect. And so what they were telling their workers is every single car we produce is going to be of the same quality as job one. Uh, and and so that's a that's a clear image. So they've married purpose and image together. Um, the uh, I, when I when I think about purpose, I go back to the 1920s. I, I think um, Mary Parker Follett, who was uh, one of the uh, pioneers in business consulting, uh, nailed it. She was uh, working with a. Um, window shade company that was floundering, and this was in the late 1920s, and um, her question is, what business are you really in? And uh, they they said, well, we make window shades. And she said, yeah, that's from your point of view, but from the point of view of your customers, when they walk in the door, why are they there? That's what business you're really in. Why do they want your products and services? And so they realized that they were actually, the business they were in was privacy and light control, not window shades. And at that same time, um, in Europe, the leveler blinds were becoming popular, and they took a look at that and started to bring those into the United States because it wasn't about window shades anymore. It's about privacy and light control, and they completely turn their business around. So uh, understanding why you exist from your customer's point of view is something that you can understand at every single level of, of the organization, for the company itself, for your team. Why does your team exist? The, um, and that's your purpose. And take a, the example of I, I was working with an accounting department that was uh, having difficulty getting um, the information that they needed from the other departments in the company, and uh, they wanted me to help them figure out their system to get better information. And um, so I was talking with some of the other departments to see what the problem was, and I I heard that you know people were they were being referred to as the numbers police. And I went back to him and I said, uh, hey, guys, <laughs> um, you know, what business are you really in? And they said, well, we, we have to get this information so that we can get it all organized into the reports and, you know, and, and file these things with the government. And, you know, they understood that they were protecting the company, but they weren't seeing the, the opportunity 
for them to be business partners, to give business leaders the information they need to make good business decisions. And when they began to see their purpose from that point of view, they began to work differently with the other departments because now they're going to them saying, what information do you need? How can I organize it for you? Okay, well, in order to get you the information you need, you need to give me this information on this in this amount of time. So okay. it turned things around for them at a department level, um, even at an individual level. Um, okay. You know, if you're a file clerk, is it really your job to file things? I mean, it's really about organizing information so that you can retrieve it in- Immediately, I, I, th- I really think we should okay. rename that term <laughs> retrieval clerk um, uh, right. or, or the person who, the receptionist on a, like, like in a dentist office or, or, or a business, a person who answers the phone. They're the very first person that the customer has contact with. And, and what happens in that interchange sets the tone for anything else that happens with that customer when they get connected with anybody else. That They have the very first impression with the customer. If, if they yeah. think of themselves as receptionist, then their job is to connect them with other people. If they think of themselves as, as the director of first impressions, then they're going to have a very different interaction. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. All right, so we're going to have to take a break, Jesse. But um, just to reiterate, what I've taken from this particular segment is that for your vision to be inspiring and uniting and really give a sense of direction, it needs three elements. We need to identify who you are, where you're going, and what's going to guide your journey. What we're looking for is a vision, not a statement, that is actually visionable, meaning there's imagery to it. I can see it. I can imagine it. It's got a timeline for it. I want it to have a sense of purpose. And I want it to have a, be a thing that unifies people and brings them all together in this common sense of what are we really about and who are we, what do we exist to do. And as you've just heard, that's as applicable down at the very front line of an organization as it is through the mid-levels and all the way to the top of the organization. So my guest today is Jesse Lynn Stoner. Jesse is the co-author with Ken Blanchard of Full Steam Ahead, Unleash the Power of Vision. You can reach her on Twitter at Jesse Lynn, L-Y-N, Stoner. And we'll be right back. When we come back, I want to talk about, so how do you go about creating this thing so that people feel that they're committed to it? We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the Brand Ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. 
focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Jesse Lynn Stoner, and Jesse writes a very popular blog that gets over a half million um, readers, I should say. You can read her blog at cpointcenter.com. There's lots of comments, so join in the fun on that one. We've been talking about vision, and we've been talking about the, the, the mistakes that are often made by leaders and by companies as a whole in setting visions that are just not all that inspiring. So from Jesse's work and from the book, Full Steam Ahead, we know that there are three elements that make a difference to having a vision that is going to unite the team, create a sense of direction, build collaborations, and truly inspire people to get on board and do something about it. Now, I restated those, I'm going to restate those elements in a little bit better language than I did last time. The first element is who are we? That's our purpose. What are we here to do here? What are we here to serve? Second element, where are we going? And that one, we want to have image in it. We want to actually be able to see the future in a way, not just state a destiny like 10% growth. And the third thing is what's going to guide our journey. And these are really the values. So Jesse, just really briefly before we talk about how to create the vision, we didn't talk about the role of values. So just say a couple of words on how those values tie into this notion of inspiring vision. Well, Wanda, a lot of people talk about vision and values as though they're two different things. They're, we have our vision, okay, and then we have our values and we list those separately and they don't see how they're interconnected. And um, they're actually the values, if you really want people to be making decisions on a day-by-day basis, the values have got to be deeply embedded in the vision. Um, so I, I, I don't know if you remember this. In 2012, there was a uh, cruise ship off the coast of southern Italy called the Costa Concordia, and they were doing this, um, I guess it's called a salute, where they um, uh, drive very close to the shore and the passengers wave that the people on the shore and the, in the town and the people in the town wave. And this ca- captain wanted to give them a great view and got too close and wrecked the ship and the ship sank and 
a lot of people died. It was a terrible tragedy. And when that happened, I, I went to their website. I was curious to see what their values were. And there was nowhere on their website that I saw any kind of val- statement of values. And um, so I, I hopped over to the Disney Cruise Line and just, like, right, jumped out, right? Number one, safety. Number two, courtesy. Number three, show. Number four, efficiency. And the, the values are so clear on in in the Disney not only do they know who they are and where they're going they are, they know how they're going to get there they know that safety is first that wreck never would have happened on a Disney cruise line um and it's the same I'm even just taking it down to the to that let's go back to that accounting department I was talking about um as they got clear that they weren't the numbers police and that their business was to help business leaders make good business decisions, what are the values that they need to operate on by a day-by-day basis? Well, they need to be accurate and they need to be dependable, and they need to articulate the, the values that are going to support the vision, that are going to support them getting there. So they actually need to be part of the vision, not vision and values, but that the values are a part of the vision. It's one of the three elements. Marketing, the marketing department, do they need to be accurate and dependable? Well, maybe accurate, but dependable, I, probably we want creativity. Do I want my accounting department to be creative? Not so much. So as you identify the values, you really need to consider them as, as part of the entire package of what the vision is, which is why we say there's three elements of a compelling vision. And when we started this, you talked about a vision that's actually going to guide decision-making on a day-by-day basis, and that's where the values come in. Okay. All right. So just to reiterate, who are we, which is a sense of purpose? What are we here to do? Where are we going? I want that as an image, a visual image that paints in people's heads that they can imagine what it looks like and what it feels like. And we want what's going to guide the journey, which is ultimately the values um, and all of those embedded together and what's going to make a great vision. Okay. So let's turn to the process of creating this vision. What I typically see in everyone I talk to is this belief that me as the leader, I'm supposed to know it all and have it all in my head, and I go away for a magical mountaintop experience and for two days or a weekend or a little longer, and I come back and announce, here we are, here's the vision for the team. And you say that's a bad idea. Why? Well, we know what happened with the first example, the person who went off to the mountaintop and came back with the uh, tablets. They they ended up in pieces. Uh, people weren't ready for them. They weren't interested in them. Um, they had to want them. For, and um, it, 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 the, the problem is when you go off to that magical mountaintop, you have a magical experience, but if you don't, involve other people and take them into that magical experience, then it doesn't have the same level of meaning for them. And and I see this time after time, and, and, and often the leader goes off with the management team, and together they have a magical experience, and then the rest of the company doesn't get it. So whoever is part of that process of creating it is the one who really deeply understands it. So to actually translate it, to actually give it meaning, um, the, uh, the, the, process, the involvement in that process is absolutely 
um, is absolutely fundamental. So, so in our book, what we say is that what's important is not only what it says, which is what we were talking about in the first segment, the, the three elements of the compelling vision, but also how it's created, how it's communicated, and how it's lived. And, and so the hows are as important as the what. Okay. I can get that one because who cares if we have it and we put it on the walls and embed it, you know, like a literally engrave it on the walls. Um, if it isn't lived, then it sort of has no meaning. So what's the secret? Your three hows yeah. are how it's created, how it's communicated, how it's lived. Let's start with the first one. What do you find makes all the difference in creating this vision? Well, I, I think the first thing is that as a leader, you, you've got to let go of control. Um, you've got to kind of let go of the idea that you're supposed to, it's your job as the leader to have all the answers. Um, it's a tremendous amount of pressure, and it's not possible. And people at all levels of the organization have information that you don't have. Um, yes, you want to get in front of the vision, but to, to have the idea that you have to come up with it by yourself is a, is, a, is a daunting task. It's a tremendous amount of pressure, and frankly, it never, it never happens. It, that isn't where visions come from. Visions actually, if you're, if you're paying attention, you'll see that they arise from the, the, the need, from the hopes and dreams, from the opportunities that are presenting themselves. And when you involve your team, when you involve your company in that, uh, and let go of the idea that your job as the leader is to hand down the, the word, um, you're, you're going to have a better, a better vision, to be honest. Uh, it's going to be smarter. It's going to um, be more realistic. It's going to be more actionable. And the people that are involved in the process of creating it are going to understand it better so that they're going to be in a better position to implement it. So that actually the process of creating it becomes the beginning of the process of implementing it at the same time. It makes implementation so much easier. So okay. I imagine so how your many question people? is, what does that look like? Yeah, I want to know how many people I involved. So let's say I lead a part of an organization in there, just for a number, there are 500 people that are working in my part of the organization. Do I need all 500 people involved? Eventually, yes. And and you have choices in terms of how um, you know at what level of involvement it is, and also do does that mean oh we can't be doing anything until we create the vision because boy that would take a long time to involve 500 people in it. So another thing in, that is really important to understand is that it's. Um, uh, Iterative. I, I, I love the the approach that's agile. If you're familiar with that, because mm-hmm. it's let's do something, let's take action, let's learn, let's do something, let's take action, let's learn. So think about visioning in that same way. You get smarter and smarter about the vision as you move towards it. So let let's start with. Um, you could start with a small group, but then the last question of the day is now: How do we involve people in refining this so that? Think of it as a lump of clay rather than an activity to complete and frame. And, and now I'm going back to this idea of 
people thinking about a vision statement instead of a vision. At some point, you may coalesce it into a phrase or something, but that's not really what's important. What's important is what's understood about where you're going with the company. And then okay. you've got choices in terms of how you want to proceed. You can go um, uh, top-down if you want. Uh, and if you've got the heads of different departments, you really need to help them understand how do they then involve people in terms of how do we translate this down into our department and what does it look like for us on a day-by-day basis and then at the various levels so that these conversations are happening on a day-by-day and a regular basis. Another okay. way that you can go about this is that you can do a, uh, a horizontal approach to this and gather people from different um, parts of the organization, do lunch and learn, town meeting type meetings, and begin to have these conversations on a on a ongoing basis. Um, or you can another way you can do it is you can use what, uh, some of these fabulous large group technologies like um, open space, real-time strategic change, um, future search where they've created technologies to bring large groups of people, you know, 200, 300 people together at one time. Um, And and in that case, what you do is you do a kind of a diagonal slice of the organization where you get representatives from all levels as well as all areas because then they become change champions as they move out um, and back into their organizations. All right. Now, so presumably this process of the creation where I'm involving lots of people eventually, everybody eventually, is also how we're communicating it. So we're not communicating as a done deal. We're communicating as here we are. Let's see where this, what refinements do we need to make? What's working, not working? Is there anything else special about communication? You know, as it becomes... um, formed and more clear, uh, it's really the role of leadership to continue to communicate and to find ways to embed it in their conversations at all times. It's kind of like that's your job. You don't have a more important job than making sure that people understand how what they're doing now relates to the vision. So when you've got a, a tough decision to make, you start talking about the vision. How is the vision going to help us make this decision right now? When it's a strategic decision, when it's a when it's a hard decision about you know, well, are we going to terminate somebody? Um, where in here is there guidance for us? And that that's where the the values also come in and and are so important. So how it's communicated means um, that your job as the leader is to keep that vision alive and central and not just something that's framed on the wall, but something that is embedded in the conversation on a regular basis, and it starts with you. Okay. Reminds me, listening to you talk about this, reminds me about Lou Gerstner um, and IBM. So this is a few decades ago, I should say, not just a few years ago. But he talks about the vision of what he wanted IBM to become, or they wanted IBM to come, is something he did in 200 talks every time he spoke over a two-year period. It's just over and over and over and over again to keep that message out alive and central. Okay. Absolutely. Um, That's a great example, Wanda. 
Okay, fabulous. All right, so we've got just a minute before we take another break. Is there anything else you would like to add about the way in which we, how we live it? You've said that already, that the communication we do on a regular basis and we talk about it in terms of decisions we're making, how it informs those decisions. Anything else on making sure it's lived? Congruence. If you, you, you need to understand that who you are as a leader is an example of this company's vision at every single moment. You don't get to take a break. So it's like, oh, you know, well, I cheated, but that was just a game. It doesn't really count. Everything counts. So how, how it's lived is, uh, you, you don't wait for the rest of the company to understand the vision, to understand the purpose, to understand the values. The minute you understand them, you become the model and you have to live it. Okay. Oh, I love that one. Glad I asked that question. All right. So let me go back to see if I can reiterate, uh, Jesse, just before we make take our final break. Three elements that make for a really good vision. Um, who are we, which is our sense of purpose? Where are we going, which needs to have a visual imagery attached to what destination looks like or a future state looks like? Um, and I lost my third one. Which values. Was, what are guide, guiding our journey? What's going to guide us there, which is our values. And then there are three hows in terms of how it's created. I'm going to how in terms of involving everybody or maybe involving a small group, but ultimately getting lots of people involved and having input for refinement, maybe not initial creation, but maybe initial creation. I'm going to communicate it. It's the job of the leader, and I'm going to do that regularly, daily, in and out, and letting it guide the decisions that we're making and articulating why that's guiding our decisions. And then how it's lived, I mean, I have to be congruent in my own actions and in my own behaviors in a way that makes I represent the value, the vision, if you will. All right, so with me today is Jesse Lynn Stoner. You can read Jesse's blog at cpointcenter.com. It's getting lots and lots and lots of um, listeners, a half million readers, I should say. The book, Full Steam Ahead, which is co-authored with Ken Blanchard, and we will be right back. When I come back, I want to talk about how do you stay on track. So you've got the vision, you've got people communicated, involved, it's lived. What happens if it goes off the rails? We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the Brand Ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, 
IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoke All at CIOTalkNetwork.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Jesse Lynn Stoner, and we have been talking about what creates a an inspiring, engaging, unifying vision that gets people on board to actually do something and be excited about the journey along the way. So just to reiterate, there are three elements in what makes for a great vision, who we are, who are we, which is our sense of purpose, where are we going, which is where we want to be or to end up or land, and that needs to have some imagery attached to it, and what's going to guide our journey, which is a sense of values. Now, having having that, recognizing that it isn't a solid one-time done and dusted, it's an iterative process. So how it's created, how it's communicated, and how it's lived makes all the difference in the world with whether this is a real inspiring thing or just one time and then we're over. So this last segment, though, I want to focus on how do you stay on track. So let's say as – go back to your accounting department even – Jesse, that we've created a vision, that the team has been involved in the creation, that people really understand what it's mean, that we're starting to make decisions around it. It's been communicated. I'm living the vision statement. But then somehow we seem to lose focus, particularly when there is a day-to-day fire that takes a lot of people just to fix a problem. Let's say in an accounting department, suddenly there's an error in a significant um, data point or in a significant analysis, and now we stop worrying about being the business leaders and we go back to being the accounting police. How do we get back on track? Well, hopefully, if, if you can keep some of these tips in mind, you can get back on track very quickly because these, it's going to happen all the time. Um, and what, what happens is, is that we need to, it's not just when, you know, there's a problem or when there's a fire. It's, you know, change is inevitable. And so we set goals and we set goals aligned with our vision. And, you know, we said we're, you know, we're going to act in these ways. We're going to accomplish these things. And this is, I think, where your 10% profitability comes in because that's a, a, you know, we can set some goals around how we're going to achieve that. And, uh, or with the accounting department, how they're going to, uh, get information and then they don't get the information they need and they, the date, they get frustrated with the data that they're coming up with. And, and um, they, 
it, it's so easy to let go of the vision and to say, well, it's not possible, you know, it wasn't realistic, day-to-day life is too hard. And um, I, a man by the name of Robert Fritz coined a term called creative tension, which I really appreciate because it's based on the scientific principle that tension seeks resolution. And and that's what's operating is that we, we begin to feel tension, it's not working, and because we... Um, feel embroiled in the current realities, we let go of the vision. And because um, tension will seek resolution, if you are willing to hang in there and allow yourself to feel this tension, he calls it creative tension, to be honest and realistic about your current reality and to also continue to be clear and hold on to your vision current reality will begin to shift. You'll find ways to begin to shift and move your uh, actions in relation to your vision that will begin to get you there. So you can't actually set a very clear trajectory. I, I mean, you, you set one, like when, um, with the, I'll go back to the Apollo Moon Project, they had a trajectory, but I heard they made over, over a thousand and one mid-course corrections. You can't make a mid-course correction if you don't keep your destination in mind. You're going to overshoot the moon. So, so keeping the, so number one is when there's a fire, <laughs> when things go off course, you go back to your vision. Uh, you set the trajectory with your vision in mind, and then you keep your vision in mind. And I think you use the analogy of sailing. I, for those people who sail, um, uh, there's a, a term called tacking that, that uh, because of the wind conditions, you rarely point to, to exactly the, the place that you want to go to. You keep your eye on the place you want to go towards, but you um, make a series of zigzag turns uh, to get yourself where you want to go by tacking. And I think the idea of tacking in relation to your vision means you've got to be willing to readjust your goals. That um, that that we stay wedded to the vision, we set goals in relation to the vision, and when the goals no longer make sense, we readjust them. Okay, well, that is a significant shift in thinking because I think so many people confuse goals and vision that they don't actually have this vision that we've been talking about today. The who are you, where are you going, and what's going to guide your journey. And instead, what they have is a series of goals so that when we run into an obstacle, the goal gets abandoned or it gets held on to rigidly. And that's what turns people cynical because now it becomes impossible. So your statement is we stay wedded to the who are we, where are we going and what's going to guide our journey, but we adjust the milestones, the goals in getting there. Absolutely, because otherwise you get hyper-focused on your goals and you forget your vision, and the goals may or may not even be relevant anymore because the conditions have changed. Okay. So it reminds well, me and of... one of the things I guess I want to point out is that this idea of setting goals once a year actually doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you think about it. Um, because some of the goals that you set, you're going to accomplish within three to six months. Um, some of them are going to take a long time. And, and so, you know, we end up setting these kind of vague goals instead of really clear, crisp, what's our next step and how are we going to get there? And this idea of smart goals, you know, that are specific and measurable and time bound and, um, 
And so our goal-setting process gets messed up because we think we're supposed to set goals once a year. What we really need to do is set milestones. That's what goals are. They're milestones on the journey towards our vision. And as we accomplish our milestones, we need to be looking at, well, what are the next milestones? Right. I like that one. I think the um, whole notion of milestones actually is a really useful thing. And I know a lot of people are starting to say this whole notion of goal setting as if it could be done and dusted in 12 months is kind of crazy. Um, Some of them are much longer and some of them are much shorter. Okay, so you've said one tactic is when there's a fire, you go back to the vision. You adjust your goals, but you stay wedded to the vision. And number two is we don't worry about goals as being once a year process. We worry about milestone and we make, therefore, goals that are very crisp and actionable and realistic and time bound. Is there another tactic? That's going to I, help I think us get there's back things that we need to set up to um, help ourselves stay aligned. Um, when your systems and practices um, are not aligned with the vision, let, let's say part of your vision entails um, uh, teamwork or something, and then people recognition only happens for individuals, then mm-hmm. you've got a reward system set up that uh, is not aligned with your vision. So, you know, what's your communication processes? What are your reward processes? How are people recognized? Um, what kinds of policies and procedures do you have um, uh, set in? You, you need to look at how work is occurring, uh, information, training, all those kinds of things. What needs to be in place in order these are the structures that actually support the individuals in the organization um, to continue to move forward more easily. Nothing more frustrating than to get embroiled in red tape that's not aligned in supporting you and getting where you want to go. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, is this the leader's job to keep the team on track, or is the team responsible for keeping themselves on track? Well, ideally, um, the you want to develop the team ownership for this vision and to um, allow them the opportunity to step into the role so that they're all leaders around that so it, so that anybody can you know make the call and say wait a minute this procedure right now is actually derailing us we need to take a look at it but as because if you're the one who owns the whole thing and other people don't see it as their responsibility or have an opportunity to step forward and, and to provide leadership, um, you're, you're throttling the engine. Right. Uh, you know, you're driving the car with one foot on the brake. So um, on the other hand, you've got to just be hyper-aware of what's happening. And if there's policies and procedures that are not supporting your team, um, you, you really need to step forward and and you need to represent your team to the rest of the organization this is where you really need to protect them and if things are coming down to the team that are not aligned with the vision of the team then it's your job to to broker that understood all right jesse unfortunately we're out of time my guest today jesse lynn stoner you can read her blog at seaportcenter.com and just to come back to have a really good inspiring engaging vision you need to articulate who you are where you're going what's going to guide your journey And it needs to be created with everyone involved, communicated on a regular basis, and lived. And it's that returning to the vision and adjusting the goals that are going to keep you on track as things come up. So, Jesse, thank you for the show. And join us again for another episode on how you can get out of your comfort zone. 
Thank you for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.